podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham. It has been, as the late, great Carolina Hearn once used to say, Scorchio again. Um, I think we're going to go through a whole campaign without having to use Duckworth Lewis at all. I think that's now becoming ever more likely. And um, and yet still we all complain because it, it's been almost too hot. And my fellow um, podcaster here, Sal Ali, may well have experienced that himself on Saturday. Sal, how are you? You good? Dan, I'm going to start by saying a huge well done to any player, umpire, scorer, uh, spectator who braved yesterday because yesterday was indeed a really, really hot day as everyone's um, experienced. Um, the game I was at yesterday was Southampton playing Harrow. Uh, Southampton's captain's guy called Stefan King, a very good bowler, leading the wicket taking charts at the moment. He's from Barbados. After the game, he said to me he'd never experienced such energy sapping heat in his career. So and he's from Barbados. Well, that says exactly. nothing. So if someone says that from Barbados, then you have to understand the extremity of yesterday. But yeah, well done to everyone who got through yesterday. It was undoubtedly one of the hottest days. I'll probably, actually, probably the hottest day I've experienced in a cricket situation. So we made it through. And uh, we have loved having the hot weather. Um, and we do obviously want to continue. Maybe just drop it a couple of degrees. And the uh, last sort of three weekends, it's happened, so maybe mid-20s would be nice to see a three-year campaign. Well, rest assured, obviously, Test cricket comes back this week. So it goes without saying that there's rain on the agenda for, for the Test match. So, um, you know, I, th- I think it will ratchet down just, just a little bit. Um, we were saying off air that the, one of the key moves and shakes in this podcast is Eugene Berger, who people don't hear, but he's our tech guy, my, my colleague at Twickenham. And he batted um, for a fair degree of time in, in Twickenham seconds. And there's a wonderful picture of Eugene um, lying flat out in the change room afterwards, trying to just sort of um, remember that he was indeed still alive. So for anyone else who's in that position, well done to you um, all for sticking, sticking it out. I did have a serious question on that, Sal. I was going to just sort of flag up. I know a number of leagues around Britain talked about reducing the number of overs that were played simply because of the, the heat. And um, I, I know that in Shropshire they did. They, they, they reduced um, their 50-over win-lose to 40-over win-lose. And it wasn't uncontroversial because I don't think there was a great deal of consultation went on. But would you have been for that? Do you think that's a way forward? Or are you in the sort of... Well, 40 overs is not that much different from 50 overs. So if you decided it's actually still just about OK to play, then you should play? Or, or what might your take on that one? I mean, it's a good point, because I know the Hartfisher League also sent out some kind of circular saying that um, the option was to start games earlier, um, along with reducing overs as well for, for games. So, I mean, if you knock off, say, went to the Premier, you went from 50 to 45, it's not a massive difference, is it? I don't think so. Make it a huge impact maybe in games. And if you did the same in divisions below from 45 to 40 again, you're saving what maybe sort of 40 minutes earlier starts as well. You, leave, you know, starting maybe 11, 30 ish could make a difference. But you know, if, you know, as, as as we know, there's potential of this weather continuing in the, in the next few years. Maybe something that you know leagues look into in terms of when it comes up again. How do they sort of manage? Uh, obviously, more than the one-off occasion where it might happen. Yeah, I think it's a tough one because on the one hand, when it's win-lose cricket, well, 45 overs and 50 overs. Don't make that much difference, does it? It's still win-lose. It's not as if you're losing time at the game to bowl sides out. But on the other hand, I do think if, if it's too hot, it's too hot. You shouldn't be playing. Um, and, you know, standing two and a half, three hours out in the sun is, is bad. You know, so, so reducing that by 20 minutes, I'm not sure that makes that much difference or whatever. But, um, but an interesting one. And certainly, um, given that summers like this may be getting, becoming more frequent in, in the future, we might have to think about it. But we'll think about that another time, um, as you say. Here and now, um, Teddington are looking pretty good in terms of uh, winning this year's Premier League. Right, Sal, things went their way this weekend. So the question is, have they got a hand on the title now after this weekend? I mean, looking at the point situation, uh, you'd think so. Um, brushed aside, relegated to Hornsey yesterday. The sun shone and so did the runs. Um, Matt Naylor opened 64. Then Abhishek Jundrinwala, who sort of revelled in these sort of um, limited overs games, came in a smash. You know, 91, which set Teddington up at 3.20 for eight now. Even probably the closest rivals of the fan are challenging total. So, you know, let alone Hornsey, who haven't won a game all season, really rock bottom. I mean, credit to Arthur George, who won the quick bowlers, ran in, you know, wholeheartedly took five wickets. But um, as I said, 3.20 for eight is more than challenging total. And it was a turn of Teddington's speedster, Andrew Brewster, 
took early wickets. Hornsey in lots of trouble early on. Um, George Coley hit, hit 78, uh, broke 78, but won five, six all out with that man, Judge Wild, also taking four. So it does seem to be that the ball is definitely intelligent to court at the moment as we go into the final three weeks. Yep, that's definitely a step forward. And of course, they were helped by the fact that North Mid came uh, second best against Shepherds Bush. It was pretty close, wasn't it? But I um, mean, win, lose cricket, um, that defeat could be pretty significant in the great scheme of things, right? Yeah, I mean, Bush, Bush and North Mid have had some sort of close games in the past. Um, and unfortunately for North Mid, it was the Bush who came out on top this weekend. So James Parso, you know, he's done a lot of, um, that has to step in as captain due to um, Joe Green's injury for North Mid. It's got some good runs this year. Valuable runs scored 16. Hassan Khan, 53 not out. Total of 2-1-2. Again, it's one of those ones where you think it's potentially able to defend. I mean, they went from 1-9-4 for 6, actually, to 2-1-2 all out. So that's probably a bit of a disappointing thing for, for the Northwood side. Um, that was made it down to Ramon Bailey. Um, great spot at the end of the innings, taking 6-38. Um, the response of Bush got off pretty well. Joe Carrasco, another guy who's been in the run this year, 53. Um, Alex McQueen, who's probably spearheaded the Spin department for Northwood this season. Took four throats, it's causing all sorts of problems, getting lots of spin, lots of bounce. Um, but again, you know, sort of the same names keep propping up this year, don't they? Ali Easton, 31, and then Marcus Howard was the man at the end who held his nerve with 44 not out to see Bush home and keeps him in third place. I mean, one area that Northwood would probably look back on in this game is, is the extra total, 28 wide, which they, which they bowled would probably have some kind of impact on that final result, I would imagine. Yeah, in close games, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? And, and at that sort of level, Premier League level, you, you'd think they'd be pretty unhappy w- with those figures, right? Because, I mean, low down, I, without wanting to be too patronising, I mean, I, I sort of understand why the radars are not as good, but, um, but for clubs like that, then that, it's going to hurt having that many extras. 100%. You know, that's what another 6 12 8 3 one took four and a half overs. They've given there, and they won home. I think they won with two overs to spare, or Sunday two overs to spare. So, you know, it, it was definitely... Uh, quite an important sort of area of the game, which, as I said, has gone against North Mid. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and Clyde Chand have, have crept up into what I guess is joint fourth. They had, a, they had a very successful day. I mean, we did hear the other week that Ealing are either pretty good or not so pretty good. And, and I guess, certainly bowling-wise, the not so pretty good elements came to the fore, right? Well, when you run into a man like Joel Hughes, so Joel Curtis, who's uh, yet again just produced a good, it's going to be hard work, isn't it? You know, the, mm. the guy's unbelievable at the moment. He's now scored over a thousand runs. He needs another 223 runs to break the new record, which was set by um, ex teammate Jalpa 3J. Um, he also now needs one more century to um, record the most number of centuries scored in one inning. So at the moment, he has six. The game which is helped by his ex teammate Jalpa 3J. So one more hundred in the next three games. Another 223 run to break the league record, which should be an outstanding achievement because, you know, and I think Jalpers did it in Div 1 to do it in the Prem. I know we've had a season running for cricket, which has obviously helped, um, but it'll be an amazing achievement for, for Joel um, if he managed to do that. So back to the game. Um, yep, yeah, Crouching, 350 for 7. Curtis, 117. Um, Christian Martin sort of chipped away, took four wickets. Eating well, had a great start, off to a real flyer. Ollie Wilkin, 55, Ben Graves, 40. So at one stage, you were 92 for, so 90 for their wicket off nine overs. So the run rate was an issue at that point. But then the wicket started to tumble. Um, Crouching captain here in Desai uh, took 6.55. Robbie Connolly chipped in 56 for his side for Ealing, but it was nowhere near enough. And it was Crouching who were victorious um, as they bowled in lap for 2.27. Yeah, I did notice about the run rate there, because I mean, there were 13 overs to go when, when Ealing were all out. So, you know, if you've got a few wickets in hand at that sort of rate, then, then you, you'd, you'd back yourself. But of course, if you don't have wickets in hand, then uh, things can fall apart quite, um, quite quickly. So, Crouchend up to join fourth with Stanmore, who probably felt they were in with a good chance when they scored 245 against Richmond. But uh, Richmond, to their credit, managed to get past it. Yeah, huge win for Will Phillips' team. Big um, win. Delighted, yeah, delighted. They had a bit of a rough run recently. So to go away, Stanmore has been performing really, really well in the season so far. Um, and, and, and Conway with a free wicket win, as you mentioned, is, is, a, is a massive boost for them as we go into weeks uh, you know, 16, 17, 18. Uh, Steve Tacey got Richmond to a dream start because the wicket you probably do want in that, in the, in that side is Steve Reingold. Second ball cleaned him up, um, but then they had to reckon with the overseas Michael Levitt. He sort of stepped up and Scored an excellent 117. Stanmore, 2 4, 5 for 9. Is that again one in total, which I'm sure they probably thought we've got a good chance of defending. 
Rich was in English, she was quite interesting. No one actually really made a massive sort of impact in terms of batting-wise, but players sort of got in, then got out. And in the end, the low order of um, Vance Jani scored 15, not out, and Matt Dickinson, 13, not out, managed to sort of control the heat and the situation. And as we mentioned, a crucial win for Will Phillips in Richmond, as I said, we're going to the final few weeks. Yeah, brewing up nicely down there, certainly if you're a neutral, because Richmond are now five points behind eighth place Twickenham, um, and they will meet in week 17. So um, uh, a, a reasonably large game for, for our neck of the woods there, with um, I'd have thought whoever wins having a really good chance of, of staying up. Um, Twickenham, well, we managed to score plenty of runs at the weekend, uh, 270, but it wasn't enough. Hampstead scored a few more. Yeah, they got quite, well, I mean, more than enough to uh, sort of make it comfortable in the end. Um, yeah, so now you, you see your guys sort of looking over your shoulder, don't you? As you said, five-point yeah. advantage. Um, and I think Hampstead probably more or less now feel they're safe. You'd think so after that win, 44-run defeat of, of your guys. I watched some of the innings, Steve McGiffin, 100, 127. Towards the end, I mean, it was fantastic innings, but as the end, I think the last sort of six, seven overs, they must have got that 10 over, and that made down to him, some, some big hits taking place. And you think, you know, coming to the end of the innings, you must be exhaustive, so it does show how fit some of these guys are. You know, they might not be professional players, but I'm sure they're different, the devils are up there. Um, to carry in that heat, as I said, late assault from McGiffin and Sam Smythe scored 88, I think it was. Hampstead 3 1 4 for 4. Um, interesting in seeing how he wickets played recently. So, there's a massive improvement in how the runs sort of started to be scored again on the green, which is good to see. Um, and, I mean, again, in your innings, no one could actually sort of get going. There was a few good starts. Um, ben Neil Green scored 54, but 270 all out. You know, it's a brave attempt in trying to get near that Hampstead total, but I think the damage was done in the first half of the game. Well, I think that's a good, a good point about not, no one went on and scored 80-90, and it's, it's an obvious point to make, but if you're going to score 320 runs, then you, you, you need somebody to, to really take a bit of ownership and go big. And it's not that people weren't trying, um, it's just it never quite never quite happened so um, I, I wasn't at the game but I was following from afar and always felt we were just a bit behind I, I didn't really believe Sal um, um, you know and, and I think you know that was that was sort of borne out ultimately by the fact we were 40 short um, I, I'd hope we're a little bit stronger next week although of course we play Shepherds Bush who were, who were going very well so um, so yeah I, I, I do think our week 17 game will be one of the bigger ones around between now and the end of the season one to keep an eye on um, in Division 1, well, there were quite a few interesting games, I thought, actually. Um, and um, the, the, the first and, and most prominent, I guess, was when Bronsbury played Acton. And um, it, was a, it was an intriguing result. I mean, of all the divisions, this is definitely the most exciting. This There's is so crazy many, at the top of that one. Yes, agrees. So many potential permutations of what could happen here. Um, and I'm just hoping, as I said, the weather stays well and we don't get any sort of rain-affected games or rained-off games. But this leads to an exciting climax. Um, and acting as a side, who, you know, we've been sort of, as I said last week, creeping up the table very, you know, sort of quietly, not making massive uh, sort of, uh, you know, sort of statements in terms of where they're going to finish and what we're going to do. But now I'm beaten in nine games, and they've closed that gap at the top following a fantastic 55 run defeat of Ronsbury. Um, Captain Sahil Kerr scored 15, their total 175 for nine. Um, a league legend off spinner Rob, Rob Nelson. Still producing a good double turnout for Bronsbury. Took four for 28, but was eclipsed by another league spinning legend, Alex Brennan. Fantastic figures. Five for 12 off 8.4 overs. Um, decent, that. That is I mean, decent. That, especially when Bron were 49 for no wicket. Um, and you think that situation there, there's only one winner, really. But as I said, Brennan led a great fight back. Um, and as I said, capped off a great win for Acton, who are in that promotion mix-up, definitely for sure now. Um, yep. as I said there's, there's only four points separating the four sides um, oh, I'd go further than that Sal I'd say there's there's nine points separating five sides because North London I know there's a bit of traffic between them and first place but I mean you guys that that's you know one win for you and, and a defeat by Bronsbury and you're above them yeah. so, so there really is all sorts of permutations there as to what could, could ultimately pan out definitely I mean I agree and I'll come to North London in a minute um, I just feel I don't know how much you'd think on this, but I think captains make a big impact, and I think Sehill definitely a captain leads on the front. If you look, I looked up his stats earlier on. He's scored five scores of fifty or more this season, and four have come against Bron Finch and North London. So he's a big player. He turns up in big games, and he does a sort of shirt responsibility. Along with taking twelve catches, which is pretty impressive. That's more than some keepers in the division. 
So, you know, you've got a guy who's leading from the front. He's informing the bat as well. His players are playing for him. I think Acton have got a fantastic chance. So they could be, you know, the, the surprise package in what's happened in the last three or four weeks. But, as you mentioned, there are there are other sides in the house at Rose. Are one side with joint top, 84 run win away uh, at Barnes. Um, they've got a decent open pair who do get good starts. And this week it was a 65 of first wicket stand. Uh, Nickel Rowell scored 84. And I mean, 238 for nine is a pretty challenging score. But when you've got the bowling that Harris St. Mary's have, it's going to be a hard ask if we're going to chase that down in that division for most sides, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, open bowler Jaraki Joseph, he, he loves to celebrate with Cartwheel when he takes wickets. Um, with a cartwheel? Oh, yeah, I saw Bill Evan doing the cartwheel. It's been very impressive. Need not to have the on the way out, but yeah, it was really good. Um, so I'm sure there was a few stumps being cartwheeled as well on Saturday to, to 5.45, four which were clean bowled. Um, mm. Again, like you mentioned the game before, Dan, run rate. wasn't this year for Barnes. Yep. That was going to have a, a fantastic rate, but wickets were falling regularly. So, um, as I said, that, wasn't, that was enough for the guys. Despite Dan Jenkins in the 31 or 15 balls, um, the writing was on the wall, and now Harrison is going to next with Clashy Ratson full of confidence, I imagine, which will be a fascinating game. Another really interesting game, and, and, and it, it's worth knowing we'll get to a couple of the other sides in this group of five, you know, this really sort of tight group of five, but the, the only two that play each other next week are indeed Harrison Mares and Acton. The other three uh, are playing sides who are very much in a different competition. They're, they're in the competition for, for, for the lower five places there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you've got to think that there's a number of twists and turns left in this one, yeah, and the one thing we should probably say, it probably won't end up in this order at the end of Week 18, which which is great for a neutral, and um, we'll certainly be following it with, with quite some interest. North London, though, um, pretty good day. I mean, I suppose three-wicket win is perhaps closer than you might have wanted, but I guess generally satisfied with the outcome. Yeah, I mean, we had when being a real sort of, you know, back to get to what, one point, 31 for five. Um, one, of our, one of the friends of the podcast, Jopin Juma, Hit 43 and Ankit Rana 58. So they got to 163 in the end, Wembley, which was, um, you know, something to bowl at. Yeah, Again, definitely. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, 100%. I mean, what they did support here was only batted 38 overs or just over 38. So they missed out on potentially six overs where you can, you know, easily accumulate a few runs that get that near 200, I imagine. So that's probably something they're looking back on. Um, Dan, Dan Matthews, one of our openers at the club, is joined us this year, scored 42. Um, but Wembley, they're, they're gritty side. They don't, they don't sort of give up easy, and they didn't go down without a fight. But it's good to see our captain Alan O'Shea. Um, been out of form in about recently, um, but he had so much as a captain in his player management tactically as well. So it's good to see him sort of really get his head down and get 17 knots out. And we won with two balls to spare. So as you said, we are in the mix um, with a fifth of the, of the five sides in, the, in, the, in that sort of top half, um, and we'll definitely be giving it a good go in terms of you know trying. Yeah, and talk about fixtures, we have finished in two weeks' time. So I think two mm. weeks' time is quite a pivotal week because Harrison Rose are playing Bronsbury and we're, we're, we're playing Finchley. So interesting. interesting. It could be, could be quite interesting. And good to see Alan O'Shea back in the runs there. I mean, one thing I, I assume, Sal, he must be pretty quick between the wickets. I mean, I follow him on Strava and blinking. Heck, he doesn't half put the miles in. He's one fit chap. So I assume he does get to get across the 22 yards pretty sharpish. Yeah, I'm sure whoever's batting the has to be so up to his speed because, yeah, he... he uh, Definitely a fit bloke, as you'd know from the marathon that he's run. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Saturday, in that heat, I'm sure it'd been easy for him, you know. Because he's, he's not a big, you know what I'm saying, he's not, he's not your sort of like, you know, your crash bang bottom kind of batsman. He's more of an accumulator, not just a nerdle. So, um, he has to be sort of, as I said, fit enough to do what he's trying to do. So, yeah, I'm sure he was uh, up to the task yesterday. Good, 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 good. The, the, the last of the of the famous five there at the top is, is Finchley, um, and they were playing Osterley, and they got home with four wickets to spare, right? So that leaves them third, albeit one point behind Bromsbury and Harrison Marys, who are joint top. But um, nothing is ever easy when you're playing Osterley, as we've said a number of times on the podcast, but they got there. It is, isn't it? Because you've got number seven, Zawa Hussain, coming in smashing 67. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you, you, so you take out the top four or five and you think, OK, we're in two, we've got a good chance there, when you've got number seven coming in doing that. So Osterley, um, two or six for nine. Um, Dave Burton back in the open bowling spot. I found out from last week, and um, one of our, um, Bob Pedersen umpired last week, and he did tell me that the reason he came with second, or first or second change was because he turned up late. So it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a tactical decision. But... It was me and you thinking it was tactical genius, wasn't it? Okay, yeah. There's a simple explanation to why I did that, and we got it, we got it wrong. Um, but yeah, still, um, back to open the bowling, four for 29. Um, Caleb James, the overseas this year for Finchley, quite a young lad, very good sort of cricketer. Um, scored 52 but again at 109 for 5 
against Osterley, you're, you're never sort of home and host, are you, when you're sort of chasing anything over 200. But Finch's low order really sort of got their heads down um, and got them home before I was to go to see the full wicket win. Yep. Oh, that, that, I'm sure, will have been a, a quiet relief to them because we've said it many times. Osterley often a pretty tricky side to play against. Um, last game in this division, well... I tried to sort of talk talk Enfield up as, as possibly going on a great escape here. I could sort of see a way through it, um, despite having a, a rough season. But it did involve beating Winchmore Hill, and that didn't happen at the weekend. In fact, they came a pretty distant second, didn't they? They did indeed, yes. Um, Winchmore Hill win by 113 runs. I mean, I do feel for Enfield here, because they lost their opening bowl to Conan Brown in the first couple of overs. He suffered a bit of a nasty injury uh, I think he's got the ball caught hit on his shin or his knee area. It didn't look great. He was so he had to come off, you know, within two overs of the game. I'm not sure if they had a subfield or not, but he also lost the bowler that can bowl nine overs and probably bats in the top six. Um, so it sort of, which we all sort of feasted on that situation and scored two six three for four. Kevin Van der Geest uh, seventy nine and, and then Ashok fifty one, and then George Saunders came in with a late sort of uh, cameo, scoring forty five very quickly. And in the end, as I said, Enfield probably. Mentally and physically exhausted at the halfway point, having lost a player, being out in that heat, chasing level for quite a while, um, one fifty all that. So they are looking doomed, unfortunately. But you know they're not mathematically down, so I'm sure until that happens, they'll be giving it a good go. Absolutely, they welcome Finchley this week, and um, that'll be a tough game. But if they were to win, then then they could well be within a win of of other sides. So they're not gone, but they they definitely need to win. I think being realistic, the last three games. So that that's going to be tough, but. Not not completely impossible either. I think the one side in the league who we can probably have a pretty good guess at where they're going to finish is Winchmore Hill, right? They are going to finish sixth. They're 24 points behind North London in fifth and 20 points ahead of Osterley in seventh. So that's the one semi-certainty I think we've got in this division. Everything else, um, still quite a long way to go. In terms of Division 2, well, we know that Harrowtown are up. They're now 34 points ahead of the chasing pack after a pretty convincing victory over struggling Brentham. There's so ruthless, aren't they, Dan? You'd think they'd they won the league now. They, they might that is step exactly the word. They just keep, you know, it's almost like an army of ants just, you know, <laughs> you know, trouncing everyone in front of them as they walk through the jungle. So, um, yeah, 150 run, one win. Sanjay Mishra, 116, 289 for nine. Brentford, who now do have relegation worries, one three nine all out. Yep, clear cut. Um, and as we've said before, that's Harrow Town's way. They're, they're, they're a pretty bombastic unit and they've done exceptionally well this year. Um, Southgate, they're second. They are, um, well, they're, they're, they're still in a good position, but they didn't have a good day on Saturday. They got well and truly trained by Highgate, didn't they? They did. So is it, is it a squeaky bum time now developing at the club? Um, they still have a comfortable lead of what stats now, so six... Uh, at least 13 point lead over East Coast, yep, who are in third. But it's only one, one, one more defeat, and you're kind of, you know, back in that sort of situation where you're looking over your shoulder. But yeah, I mean, I get turned up, and as we know, in that division on their day, they can beat anyone, they can take anyone on. Um, and the good Highgate sort of turned up on Saturday, Southgate 1 5 3 all out, and Highgate, no hanging around, chasing down 22 overs, one of the Blighton brothers, uh, Danny Blighton scored 56, um, and Dom Alcock came in as well and hit a rapid 45 not out. So, as I said, not a good away day for Southgate, but still in that promotion spot. Absolutely. And they welcome Brentham next week. Now, I always think sides that are in relegation battles are potentially dangerous opponents, but I guess you'd rather be at home to the side in eighth than, than, than to most of the other potential opponents in that league. So Southgate will no doubt be trying to get back on the horse there. Um, East Coast, well, um, they were done and dusted by about two o'clock, right? So they're still third because they, they well and truly trenched Middlesex Titans. And that's probably one of the contenders for earliest finish of the season, hasn't it? Uh, Crikey. Titans, yeah. 37 out 14-0 with Matt Savage and Aviana and took five wickets each. Um, and then Charlie Hobday. I mean, this is an interesting stat here. So, you can't remember any bats, batters that have played in a game where their team's won and they've opened a bat and they've not scored a run, which was the case of Saturday. Phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, yeah. 40 chase down in no time. As I said, Charlie Hobday opened a bat in with, um, I think, George Harvey, one of the young wicketkeeper. Um, George was not, not out. Charlie got most of the runs. So, as I said, done in 3.5 overs. You see, there's something in, in my head. So there'd be a perverse pride in that 
in that sort of situation because most people I ever opened the batting with scored quicker than me. So if you're not, if, you know, what's the difference between naught not out and seven not out? You know, you might as well just let everything go and watch the other person whack it. And, and at least people remember the day you carried your bat for North. Well, perhaps I mean, it's just me, so being, being weird, but but I can see why that actually is quite a semi-attractive proposition. Um, either way, good win for East Coast. They are still um, they're still in the mix. If we go to the bottom, well, Ealing Trailfinders that they they might well have been hoping to get something out of Indian Gym, and that that was a big game down there, but they didn't. Indian Gym um, cruised it, but looks of things. Yeah, Ben Bowler, uh, as I said, Ealing for Ealing Trailfinders 190. Adam Bassett took five. Um, and they've got some good batters in the side in the gym on the day. Two, um, two yep. very good players in my eye. Um, Aaron Patel who keeps the last for 54. But um, Mahubullah Arayakul, who's played a high level, and in my eyes probably could easily still play a high level. Um, 101 not out, and it was a seven-wicket win. So that's probably easier kind of relegations concerns that they might have had. Um, and I'm sure they'll be looking to build on that in the next sort of two or three weeks as the season develops. Yeah, they're certainly in a much stronger place this week than they were last. That's for sure. I'd be quite surprised if they... Ended up going down now. Um, last game in this division, one that you had a particularly good view of, Harrow, South Hampstead. Harrow came out on top, 33 runs, a few runs about. Um, was, any thoughts on that one? I mean, it was an interesting game, quite entertaining, actually. Um, both sides have got a couple of Caribbean guys who are very uh, destructive players and very good cricketers. So, um, Harrow batted first. Um, Ronald Etienne, I'm sure most people know about, um, was in destructive mode from ball one. He, I mean, I think he hit probably almost 18 off one over. Um, hit one actually into Milverton Road, so over the netting that they've got in their Oof. ground, which is a big hit. Um, and looked like he could just end up with 150 plus, but chopped one on, um, trying to cut, which was um, disappointing for him. But then another guy came in, um, Kenny Desporis, who's played for St. Lucia and Wimbledon Islands in the past. I think last game was about 2017, so 40 plus uh, first class matches, not bad to have in your sort of locker. And he rocked up at 217, so Harrow, uh, I think it's 254. Um, Stephen King, who I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, he's the leading league with the taker. He took four for South Hampstead. Um, another one of the Caribbean guys, Carly on Broom, uh, scored 61. And with Rizvan Muhammad at the crease, he was scored 73. The play on him looked like it could be a good finish. The run rate was around eight, eight and over, and there was actually up with that. Seen some boundaries running well between the wickets, but then a bit of a mix-up, and Rizvan was run out. And then after that, sort of the wickets started to fall, and in the end, Southampton just fell short. So, exciting game all round. Um, some, as I said, some very good batting on view as well, and um, unfortunately, it was well, unfortunately, Southampton they was on the wrong end of a defeat. And Harrow, have to give credit to, they did have some. They look a very young side, a lot of young players, but a lot of potential in. Um, I feel what they're trying to achieve there. So as the next season, they could be a side to watch out for. And they moved into the top half of the table there, haven't they? I see they're up into fifth, and they've been definitely the bottom half for most of the, the most of the season. So, um, if, if results go their way, they, they could quite plausibly finish fourth or even third in this division. And um, given that it's not all been sweetness and light result what, results wise, I'd have thought they'd have been reasonably happy with that actually. Yeah, I mean, after the game, both sides sort of were getting on really well. I think the, the Caribbean boys all had a good sort of like you know social social last time together afterwards. Um, Etienne had a bit of a fan club watching him. Um, he didn't let them down at all. I said, um, but yeah, as I said, two, two, two sort of sides, probably quite even on on, on paper. Um, but it was probably which of, which of their bigger players was going to turn up. And for Harrow, it was Les um, Porus, who scored 117, um, and his innings was essential and crucial in seeing this side home. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned about Milverton Road there at South Hampstead as well. There are a few grounds around the league, and, and I guess one could quite plausibly say Twickenham Green would fit into this category. Where I, I do wonder at how the club gets on with some of the residents who live very close to it. Because, I mean, I know they've got a big fence there, but every time I play there, one goes over that fence and it's one of the roofs and the tiles come off and goodness knows what. But I do, I do wonder if you're living in those houses, how, how much patience you're going to have with cricket balls smashing into your property all the time. But, uh, but there we go, I suppose. Well, there's an interesting conversation taking place with one of the older members there yesterday I was sort of listening to it, and he was talking to someone um, who's come to watch the game and they've got tennis balls, haven't they, adjacent to the pitch. Yes, um, do, yeah. And then apparently the tennis courts and members were saying, can you stop hitting the ball so hard? That could be a potential way of no one getting hurt. But you Just know. tell the tennis club members to go and play at Highgate. They'll have no trouble yeah. there. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Hampstead. I, I once saw Carlos Nunes hit a ball into the tennis court at Hampstead, which was pretty scary, actually. But, um, but yeah, well, there we go. Um, cool. If you move into Division 3, well... I, I thought Wickham House had this sorted, so I thought, I thought they were going to sort of semi-cruise through the last few weeks of the season, and the only issue would be whether they you know whether they won the league or not. Um, 
not quite so sure anymore because th- things didn't go to plan on Saturday against London Tigers. It looks a fantastic game, but they definitely came off second best, didn't they? I mean, London Tigers, I think I looked up earlier, I think they're now unbeaten in six. So the problem with the side you'll be playing if you're going for any kind of promotion or trying to avoid relegation because they're very good. They're unbeaten in six. I was not yeah. aware of that. That is a good run. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think it's six it is now. Um, and yeah, it was a great game yesterday. Two, four, eight uh, for London Tigers. Side Kadri, 105 or 185 balls. That must be quite entertaining. Um, and Wickham House, Chelsea, it's on short, bowled at the 2-4-2. And Wickham House do have the resilience in their side. Um, you know, 1.212 for 8, looking down and out. Then got to 2 for 8 for 8, so it looks like the win is on. Um, yep. Then the young bowler, Zang Sang, was out stumped. And unfortunately from there, um, you know, the, the last wicket fell. And as I said, great, great day for, for London Tigers, which obviously was well, well received um, in Kenton and that EP. Yeah, I saw that ninth wicket dismissal. So they they put on 20. They're just 10 runs short and he's out stumped. Now, of course, it may just be a truly a tremendous piece of work and the guy hardly realised he lifted his foot. I, I, I hope not. I hope he was four foot down the track trying to smash it out the ground. But um, but I just thought either way, stumps not instinctively the type of dismissal I'd want to see as a captain in that situation. Um, I did have a chat with Hamza Khan about this, the, the skipper at Wickham House, and sort of said to him, Hamza, you're not blowing this, are you? And he said, Dan, that's the question I keep asking myself. Um, uh, I think that they'll be fine. And I think if they, if they just sort of turn up and play their cricket, they'll be OK. Hamza did point out that on Saturday, they're, they're five to nine. All of them were under 20. They're all young lads, good players. But, um, you know, the, the pressure's on and, and they're still relatively new to it. So, so quite a few of his team are on a learning curve. Um, but I do, I'll, I'll still say it. I think they'll get there. They'll be fine. But they won't want too many more wobbly days like, um, like this one. And Sammy Hyder played, of course, and was involved, right? Yeah, he was indeed. So, one um, the full nine overs. Uh, hopefully, they're after that in that heat. So, uh, took one took one for... 32, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. off his nine. And looks like promotion to batting, or batting number 10. Um, and let's just guess what he scored. Yeah, it was a big zero. Yeah, big... Well, I mean, 10 for long. <laughs> Back to 11 for you, Sammy. I mean, I used to know people who would fight you for number 11. They saw it as their position in the side, obviously bowlers. And I, I sort of had Sammy in that category, but that's based on zero evidence because he does seem to gad about between 10 and 11, regardless of whether he ever, score, ever scores any runs. So, um, so yeah, one for 32. He's still ahead, isn't he, in terms of wickets taken this year versus runs scored. Wickets taken are still in the lead. You mentioned Kenton. Are we pretty happy? Yeah, they will be, won't they? They're five points behind now, uh, and they had a pretty comfortable win against Actonians. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm sure Cal Fish, the captain, will be delighted after that um performance um, and yeah it makes, makes things at the top really really tight uh, Tonin's one nine eight for 8 and then Sohel Butt and Cowfish Cry both called 60s and the win was sealed in uh, quite a comfortable fashion 7 wicket win yep Cowfish wasn't hanging about was he either 60 or 44 boom boom let's get this done something in that sometimes you know if, if you dally around a little bit these targets can somehow get bigger in your mind's eye so uh, a strong knock there from um, one of the Kenton talisman uh, AP also not totally out of it. They're, they're a pretty comfortable victory against Ealing Hanwellians. Um, do you see them still as being in this picture or are they just are they just too far away? I think they've got an outside chance still. Um, especially with, with, with playing with the, the windows cricket. You know, all it needs one of yep. the top guys to slip up and um, AP could pounce. It was a good day for the Paul Sheets connection. Sean, who came on last week, um, scored 72 and out. And um, Kareem Nippo, the, the spinner, the left-hand spinner they have in their ranks, took five wickets. I think there's five or six wickets in the end. So, yeah. Um, an easy win by seven wickets against Ealing, Ealing and Williams, who I imagine are really, really worried now about their sort of safety situation for next season. Just see well, where they, are the, the they don't need to be worried, Sal. They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> I just had a, a quick look as you were talking. Yeah, mathematically, I think um, I think they can only get 59 points. And Tower Hamlets are on 66. So, yeah, the worries are over. It, it's okay. it's uh, you know time to regroup, think about next season. Talking about AP, though, well, they play Stoke Newington next week and, and they're second bottom and 14 points away from safety whereas Kenton go to London Tigers so there is definitely an opportunity for um, AP to, to to get a bit closer to those top two if um, you know if, if, if results go their way next week I also can't help but think that Chiswick might not be totally out of this either um, am, am I being a bit too adventurous in saying that they're only three points behind AP 97 they're 12 points behind Kenton um, do you think they're still in it, somehow? I mean, for them, to, they will need to win. At, well, imagine all their last three games 
you think, wouldn't you? Because that would give yeah. me to what? Um, yeah, I mean, actually, no, looking at it, I'm dead. They'd have to win at least two or three, I'd say, wouldn't they? To have any sort of... Yeah, um, I think with the way it would pan out, I'd expect all three would be needed, but something, there's always a team that comes through somewhere along the line. Um, and I think their fixtures are interesting. Right, They go to Actonians, to the middle of the table side. Then they go to Tower Hamlets, struggling. They finish off against AP. Oh. And, and that could be, you know, if the results have gone their way, um, that could be a very interesting way to, to end the season. Also, Wickham House next week go to Edingham Williams. Now, is that the team, do you want to be playing at a time such, you know, relegated, nothing to play for? Or is that the kind of fixture you're thinking that's what we want exactly? I, th- I think you, you, you can build any team up to be a problem. If, if, you, if you want to, you can, you know, oh, they're struggling, they're, they'll be desperate to stay up or they're near the top, therefore they're a good side. So I, I, I think if all else was equal, I'd choose somebody at the bottom uh, to play if I could. But at the same time, it's, it's all about you. Turn up, do what you do, think about the, the things you can control and, um, and you should be in a, a decent place. I mean, Wickham House is running away at Ealingham Williams, home to Stoke Newington, away to SKLPC. I mean... No disrespect to any of those sides, but you'd pick that, wouldn't you? That, that's a run-in where you'd think, I, we, we should be getting 30 points from that. you think so. And, and again, they just need two, don't they, really, to, to get promotion, yeah. I imagine. I mean, even one could even be potentially be enough. Um, I think one might well be enough, actually. You know, but, um, so, we'll see. Yep. We will see how it all pans out. If we move into Division 4, well, um, we talked again and again about teams scoring lots of runs, but Besborough take the biscuit this week. They, um, they weren't well and truly bonkers, Sal, right? Oh, you have to feel for all the you know opposition only in Chelsea just out in that heat um, mm. and coming at the break having to chase four twenty to win a game of cricket. Bespera four nineteen for five. Um, Hiram Patel hundred of sixty five balls, and then um, both him and Jutla and Kevin Brown got eighty three. I mean, neither, none of these guys were hanging around doing it really were they? It was almost like one hundred sort of cricket that was playing. Um, Barry scored his runs of thirty seven balls, so yeah. Ken and Chelsea, how do you approach that kind of innings? I don't know what you do. Obviously, you try well, you can't even dig in, one. can you? I mean, I mean, I suppose you can dig in and use it as batting practice, but um, but there's, you know, if you're going to get any points out of this game, you're going to have to get, I can never quite remember what the percentage is, but you're going to have to score 350 at least yeah. to get one point, um, which is probably a bit tricky, I'd have thought, in those sets of circumstances, given that you're probably shattered, having spent a long time in the field. So, I mean, I, I did feel a bit sorry for them, but at the same time, I always think, you know, in those situations, and just once or twice in my career I've been in them, you adopt the Sunil Gavaska approach. I don't know if you remember, Sal, but the very first yeah, yeah, yeah. game in, in, in of World Cup cricket, suddenly just felt that India were not going to get the total. So we had a batting bat practice, had a net at Lord's, you know. <laughs> and I just thought the confidence of the guy to opt to have a net, uh, really, uh, and not chase down the total. And, you know, I, I guess sometimes that actually has a mod. I'm not sure it did with Gavaska's case, but in this case, you know, just bat. You just bat as long as you can, and, and and by the sounds of it, that's what Kensington Chelsea tried to do. So so Besbrook, yeah, they, they came out very much on top. Um, now I think Old Eyes are worthy, and versus K Plus was the game of the day. That was top v second, and it looks a bit of a bit of a jaffer. I miss what you want, don't you? Two sides going head to head, um, producing a real sort of nerve nerve, nerve ending, and um, you know, said big big result for uh, the winners here. Can check that down. Add to that if you need to. I'm on my screen at the moment. Yeah. So it was yeah, one one three six v one three one. So a low scoring affair. And I often think low scoring affairs are the most interesting ones in many in many ways because the, the it's all well and good seeing the ball go flying over the boundary for six and that only shoot out baseball style. But there's so much more going on with with low scoring games. You know, everything becomes important. Absolutely everything. And um and and I think old, old eyes will be. Uh, will be over the moon with, with that one, particularly as they're, they're, they are likely to be missing their, their, their skipper, um, Alex Thamby, for the last three weeks of the season. So, I mean, I'm not sure that's necessarily set in stone. It, you know, it, it, I think things are still rumbling on with that one. But, um, but if he's not going to be there, then this was a great win because it puts them in a, in a strong position to deal with that. Um, row its side, 65 not out. I mean, 65 not out out of 136. That's, that's a genuinely uh, significant contribution. Um, and meet Kumar Patel, two for 20 off nine overs. Again, there's not, not much going on there. He's not giving much away. So that was decent by, by uh, uh, Patel for, for K+. In reply, um, K+, plus 104 for nine. So you'd think, well, where are they going to get these 33 runs from? But they, they did nearly got there and nearly get there. And meet Kumar Patel, that man again, he was last man out for 25. Um, so they, they ultimately fell just the five runs short. And you can't blame... 
uh, um, Patel for, for for that. He he certainly did all he could to try and um, try and get them the ten points. Um, so I, th- I think K plus still the thirteen points ahead of Lanka Lions. They're, they're still in second. They'll be disappointed. They're not top of the pile, but they're still in a really good position to um, to gain promotion. Lanka Lions beat West Harrow. Uh, 205 versus 152, so that was pretty clear. Uh, and they'll no doubt be pushing right till the end. But you'd think Old Isleworthians and K Plus are are looking good to uh, nail down those two promotion um, promotion spots at the bottom. Well, Headstone Manor gave themselves a bit of hope. They've had a tough year. Uh, they beat North London Muslims by 32 runs, so that's 195 versus 163. And it definitely helped that Pinner Challengers lost to Friends United. Pinner Challengers one of the sides. That they are chasing. That was um, two six one, a decent score by Friends United against one seven one for Pinner. And there's just six points between those two sides now, so certainly um, plenty to play for. My pick of the fixtures, Sal, for next week, week sixteen. Old Eyes are playing Besborough. Now I've got a feeling Besborough won't be scoring four hundred nineteen in week sixteen, but we, we shall see. Um, it'll certainly be a game to to keep an eye on, if only because of what Besborough managed to. Um, to pull off this week. I should say as well that it's funny game cricket, isn't it? Because Besborough twos, they were all out for 92. And that's the only side in the whole of the second tier that scored less than 100. OK, so the, the first go bonkers, the seconds uh, by some sort of distance, the um, the lowest score in second tier cricket. There you go. Uh, it doesn't always uh, you know, work out that a strong ones will equal a strong twos. Division five, um, Willow Leather, they're flying away now with it, uh, Sal. They're looking... Um, Absolutely nailed on for promotion, right? Is that back-to-back promotions they've achieved now? It will uh, be. Yeah, yeah it will. I mean, fantastic achievement. At the club. Congratulations to everyone you know, associated with them. So, as you said, they're flying away to the title, beat Pro Vale Phoenicians by uh, eight wickets, um, 140, and bowled, so bowled out for 140 and chasing down, as I said, uh, quite comfortably. So, they are now formally promoted, so they'll be yep. delighted. And just, I mean, it was, it's just great going to the last few games of the season, knowing that you're, you're already promoted and there's no real sort of pressure on you anymore. Um, now, the next step will obviously be we'll be seeding the title and become actually champions of the good region. So I'm sure they'll be pushing to make sure that, that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and congratulations to them. As we've said before, any any side that gets promoted once deserves praise, but two promotions back-to-back at any level is is, a, is an impressive performance. So Harrytown are doing it. Willow Leather have done it. Well done to, 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 to all concerned. Um, London Sportif are looking pretty, uh, pretty good to go up with them. They are... Well clear of Swami Bapa in third. Um, the two sides met at the weekend. Uh, the game didn't finish. It, it got to the um, first over of the second innings. And then um, th- there was a series of disagreements. Um, I wasn't there. Sal wasn't there. There are no doubt of various uh, interpretations of what happened. Um, but the game, the game didn't finish. It only lasted one over in that second innings. And um, I, I think, from what I understand, the London Sportif will end up with the points. Um, the league will no doubt look into it and uh, will report back in uh, in due course. But as things stand, it's a 27-point gap and that would means that you know, they're not mathematically promoted on the sport team, but with three weeks left, you'd think that uh, it'd be a pretty epic implosion if uh, if they were to not go up with Willow Leather. At the bottom, um, Priory Park were the big winners uh, of the day. They jumped from ninth to seventh, so so you know, good weekend for them. They beat United Sports and they chased two six one, chasing two six one. Sal, that never used to happen, you know, or, or it happened far less frequently when when you went down down the leagues. But they they got there for the loss of five wickets. Um, so that means that they're now um, Priory Park are now forty nine points. United Sports are 46, Peshwa are 45, um, although all three have got pretty tough fixtures next week, which makes me think again, week 17, week 18, um, could be some pretty interesting cricket down the bottom of Division 5. Um, talking of interesting cricket, well, there's, there's always plenty of that in Division 6. Um, London Super Kings looking good, so 21 points clear, right? Yeah, and they could be celebrated next weekend. Promotion party could be, uh, you know, sort of a on the go from next Saturday because, as I said, they're 21 points clear. Um, defeats to King, Kingsbury Construction uh, quite comfortably, 2-4-8, and Kingsbury in second inning has managed to get 1-2-8. So, you know, the, the champagne is, is on ice, as you might say. Yeah, yeah but they, they've been strong all season and they're looking good and we'd be quite surprised if they, um, if they weren't able to uh, gain promotion 
next week or the week after. Um, only one point between United Sporting Club and Youth Wing, second and third there. And I think Youth Wing play London Super Kings next week. So you'd think United Sporting Club have just got their noses um, uh, in front here. Uh, Youth Wing beat San Harrow 2-4-6 for 8 versus one seven eight, 8 And United Sporting Club didn't play. They had a walkover uh, against um, Bahani, who, who, for whatever reason, didn't field a side. Um Tamar United, Sal, with the, 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 the case of a club that didn't get any points at all for ages, then won, then had them all taken away when they conceded too late. They're now back on one point, right? I mean, I feel for these guys. You know, as you said, two, <laughs> two weeks ago, yeah. first victory, celebrated. Maybe celebrations were a bit too much and they had to cancel the week after. Who knows what happened? Perhaps that's what it was. Who knows? Maybe they were MIA, most, most of the players. Um, yeah, very narrow. I mean, they only had nine men on Saturday, by the looks of it, looking at the scorecard. Um, and so credit to him for turning up, you know, giving it a good go. But a close defeat to Sierra's Cardinals. Actually, they do play some sort of like really sort of a, um, sort of tight games when they sort of win their game, Sierra's. Um, Sierra's 1 5 8, Tamil 1 3 6 all out. Now, the interesting thing I spotted here was um, not only did only both sides not really hang around when it came to the batting, so Sierra's batted 26 overs um, in scoring 1 5 8, and Tamil United scored, sorry, batted. Uh, 20 overs in scoring there, one three six. But again, so it was a 46 over game. That's that's brief. Yeah, but that's brief, there's a but yeah. coming up, Danny. None of my uh, my extra counts in this league, in this division. Sorry, and I know where this is going. Hit me with it, Sal. Despite only 46 overs being bold, it was still 83 wides in total in the game. What? <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know what to say about this anymore. 83 wides in a 46 over game. Wow! Incredible. Wow. Yeah, I should go and watch one of these games once. I know I'd probably have a coronary. I'd probably end up in hospital afterwards. I just I'm not sure I'll be able to put up with it. But um well that is that is pretty amazing stats. But as you say though, Tamil United turning up with nine men on a roasting day and getting reasonably close, only losing by twenty two runs. Respect due to them for, for, for doing that. Um there was another game that caught my eye as well. Harrow Millennium, did you see the scores there? Yeah, it's an incredible game that one, wasn't it? Um yeah. Stanley's side are pretty early season to get promotion, they're obviously not gonna do that. They're very a whole range of issues this season in terms of what's happened on off the pitch. But when they play on their day, when they, you know, as I said, get going, they are a very dangerous side on Saturday. They proved that, didn't they? Um, yeah. Fantastic chase. Like you, you know, you mentioned 260 being, being chased on this day. A lot more than that, wasn't it? Harry yeah. Millennium for a 9 all out. Of, um, again, a 40 overs. I mean, these guys, do they not know they came back 45 overs? It just seems to be like, you know, we'll just get, we'll get, we'll just get things done as quick as we can, so... Um, Australians took their time, though. They went a whole 42, didn't they, in getting it? Uh, they're boring, mate. Somebody said, well, these guys just say, get on with it next time. But um, <laughs> they, they've, they've, got, they've got a chap called... Uh, Zee, I think Zeechan Chowdhury, I think his name is. Um, he's definitely up in, in the run-scoring charts, and he scored a another century, I think, one looks at on Saturday. Um, so he's been instrumental in, in, in his side, winning games in the games that they've actually managed to get played this season. Yeah, I mean, and they have had, um, they have regularly scored lots and lots of runs. I mean, they had a significant number of points deducted for a whole range of issues. So had they not lost 60 points, then they clearly would have been not second bottom, which is where they are now. So, um, so yeah, one to keep an eye on for next season, you'd have thought, because cause they, they clearly do score runs and that's always worth something. Um, cool, that's our run round the divisions. In terms of the high-low scores, well, it, it's almost certainly... Two first 11s that are, that are the highest and lowest scorers in the whole league, right? Yeah, as mentioned earlier, Bresra, first 11, 419, takes the accolade for the highest score. And lowest score, unfortunately, goes to the Titans, who are 7 all out against East Coast. Mm, poor old Titans. We've mentioned their names a few times in this, this, this lowest scores. Uh, um, bit of the pod. Um, fingers crossed they can they can regroup a bit and, and, and go again next year. I think the club's battling on and, and we wish them all the best moving forward. Um, in terms of other bits and bobs from around the league, well, I sort of flagged up last week what, what I was calling party watch. Um, for those who, uh, who don't remember, um, Actonians have had 10 seasons where they haven't had a single promotion or relegation across the club. So all four of their sides have main, remained wonderfully consistent and, uh, and, and have stayed in their respective divisions. And, and I was keen to see whether that was going to change this year. And obviously, from their perspective, you'd want a side to go up rather than go down. And, and, and Actonian's threes were, were 19 points clear at the end of last week of Hampstead. I think it's Hampstead fours, maybe Hampstead fives, actually, in that division. And they met this week. So I'm thinking, you know, is the first 
promotion for a for a decade on. You know, certainly we'll be there, Sal, won't we? We'll, we'll pop rag. We'll enjoy that uh, that party if, if there is a party to be had. But Atonians, of course, you know, I think we might have put the mockers on them, mate. This is the thing that worries me because Hampstead won and it runs galore again. Hampstead scored three three one for nine. Actonians threes two nine two. So they gave it a decent. A decent go, and, and that means that the gaps it's down. It's, it's going to 10 points because, of course, they'd get a point there, Actonians, for getting reasonably close. Um, so the party, let's not go too bonkers with the party poppers just yet because um, uh, there's a bit of cricket left to be played. But we'll keep an eye on this one to see whether Actonians can break that decade-long duck um, and uh, all eyes on their thirds if they're going to do so. Um, anything else catch your eye, Sal, that we need to know about? No, I think that's it. There's no cup action this weekend that I know of. Um, I think next week and the week after, the following week, we've got the, the League Cup, the League uh, and, the, and the Trophy competition, semi-finals taking place. So we'll report back on those next week. But as I said, um, from what I know, there was no cup action this week. So I think we've got a quiet end to the pot this week. All fine. All fine with me. Well... Enjoy the test match this week, Sal. Are you going to be able to take in much of it? I guess school holidays you probably will be able to, right? Well, I was going to go Saturday because I'm not, I'm going Saturday, but um, I've had to change the plans um, and wait. But yeah, um, I'll definitely be following it uh, from um, from home for at least the first couple of days. Yep. Well, I'll be following it from home. I'm going to say this nice and clearly, right? Somebody in the Twickenham group put, put out a message today saying they had a spare ticket going. 140 quid. 140. And it, and it was not, you know, the, the most expensive ticket in the ground by a long shot. I'm not paying 140 quid to watch one day of a test match, Sal. Plus all the rest, plus getting there, plus food. If English cricket wants to know where it's going wrong, let's start with pricing the test matches. You know, that, that is a ludicrous price for one day out of five at a, at a test match. And I don't know if that's me just being tight. It wouldn't be the first time I've been accused of that. But um, I just think that's, that's horrific. Uh, and particularly when, you know, we're struggling to get people interested in test match cricket as it is. Um, end of rant. Well, on the flip side of that, Dan, though, um, my ticket cost £50. Pounds. Um, so, Did he really? Now that is interesting. Maybe yeah. this was okay. No, a friend of mine, he's always on the ball regarding that kind of stuff. He got, I think, there was like some kind of early sale, maybe last season or something, and he, mm. he got he gets on these kind of things pretty quickly. And uh, he said, "Do you want to go?" I said, "Yeah, why not?" But as I said, well, that's an interesting comeback because I wasn't even sure if those sort of tickets were were available. But but I mean, I'm guessing he would have bought it early. So so that that is a comeback. I'm sure the ECB would would, would have. But I couldn't help but think that you know. I bet most of the tickets are probably not 50 quid, right? No, not at all. You're, you're probably more, um, you know, clear near the range of what the pricing would be for most tickets at Lords, I'd say, at the moment. There we are. Anyway, I don't want to feel like, you know, been, been on a downer here, but um, but um, but yeah, that did catch my eye. Um, looking forward to next weekend. So we're getting to a really interesting part of the season, aren't we, where the fixture computer throws up all these interesting ties. Um, we will no doubt um, work our way through them. For the record, I'm playing next week, Sal. I think I mentioned to you off air. Uh, I'm off to deepest Hertfordshire somewhere. Finchley Threes play up in... Potters Bar, don't they? I think so, yeah. And that's a little drive through around the M25. It will be for me. Goodness knows I'm going to get the rest of the Twickenham side up there. But uh, we'll have to go the night before and camp out. But, Just uh, take your place, we'll... mate. Just get around your place for the night. Yeah, I'm not sure the missus has been massively oh. enamoured with that. But I'll work on it and I'll obviously report back next week. Um, have a good one, Sam. Yeah, Dan. Thanks very much, mate. Speak to you in a bit. Bye. Thank you, mate. Goodbye. Podcast Network.